Welcome to the Power of the Cross with Pastor Farrell Wilson from Grenada, Mississippi. Genesis chapter 26, starting at verse 1. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, under Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In verse 5, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking God for a few moments today. God, the Holy Spirit would come and anoint me just for a few minutes, Lord. The one that makes teaching and preaching possible to anoint the ears of your people, God, to hear what you would have to say. Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, I ask it, and I say amen. Glad you're here this morning. I want to talk to you just a few moments about being unchanged in a changing world. And it may be a little different from what you're used to hearing because there's no doubt you've always heard that we have to change when we get saved. And, and that's true. After salvation, that inward change happens in our soul and spirit, and no, nothing's ever the same. It's not just a little talk about Jesus anymore. It's truly something life-changing about it, and you grow every day. You don't back down. You're always moving forward. You know something has happened. I can remember the day and time when I got saved in uh, 2005. I can, I can remember that moment when something I knew had happened to me and something had changed. But there are some things that never change. There's some constants that, are, that will always be, and that's the title of my sermon today is unchanged in a changing world. There's some things we cannot change because our world is rapidly changing. Uh, it, it is, to me, when I look back, I guess I'm sounding like an old-timer. I'm becoming one of them, but I remember, you know, the time of TVs with tinfoil and having to adjust antennas. You would have to go up to the knob, and when you put it on a channel, there was still another knob within the knob. You had to fine-tune, and, and, and TV didn't come on till maybe 7 in the morning and went off at 11, and now you have entertainment 24-7. Uh, we didn't have all the automatic checkouts. We didn't have the cell phones. Uh, we, in fact, we had party lines when I grew up. If you, if you had that one neighbor that liked to talk all the time, you had to listen to her and see what she was gossiping about until she got off the line. Things are changing. And the evil in our world is rising, and people are wanting the church to change with them. We can't. There's some things that have to remain the same. And how do we remain unchanged in a changing world? And our text today was the son of Abraham, Isaac. And he, had, uh, he, he was where God, he was in the promised land where God told him to be and a famine arose. There were some bad circumstances that happened. He got his family and said, we have to get out of here. And they arose and they went into... Um, 
land of the Philistines is kind of a little bit to the west. It's on your journey from Israel to what we know as Israel today, going down into Egypt. And there was a place called Gerari, and God stopped him there and told him, said, I want you to stay right where you're at. Don't move. And if, as you listen to God, we, we know things, we, we have some times in our Christian walk we don't understand, but, and as well, we preach about those trying times we have a Christian. We also have to speak of those times when we're blessed and as we're obedient to the word of God, not just in our mouth. Jesus made the comment in the New Testament, these people, their mouth, they praise me with their mouth, but their heart's far from me. And we got to do way more than just talk about God. We have to be obedient to his word. And it can be a tough thing sometimes, but Isaac, he listened to God. He stopped and God told him, he said, don't go down to Egypt. I can't tell you the reasons why, because Joseph, he told to go into Egypt. Abraham, he allowed and he come back out. But Isaac, for whatever reason, he said, don't go into there. God had foresight and knowledge and told Isaac to stay out of Egypt. And it tells us, Isaac, he tells him when he stays there that he'll bless him. And the blessings will overtake him, not only him and his house. And now you have to remember, this is also the son that was laid out on the altar that Abraham was about to sacrifice to God. Isaac had been through some trials and tribulations, and he had faith. And the scripture, the idea is, even with the time with his father, that he willingly laid out when Abraham was going to take his life, and God told him to stop. So Abraham and Isaac both had, I believe, were, were giants of faith. And God, as he said to Abraham, told Isaac, if you'll keep my commandments, if you'll listen to my voice, if you won't change, if you'll keep my statutes, if you'll keep my laws, I promise you the blessing will be upon you. And his promise, the, the, the biggest, although Isaac become a rich man, the greatest blessing out of this is he said he would make him a great nation. So much that he wouldn't even be able to count them. Blessed beyond measure. And that Abraham, the, the blessing that was promised to Abraham and Isaac extends to you today. I'm not going to go into no great detail about it in Scripture, but the, it, the New Testament is quite clear. The blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Isaac are on us today by the covenant we have with Jesus Christ. But there also has to be some conditions here. Number one is to stay out of Egypt. We have to stay out of the world. It doesn't mean we don't go out in the world and work. It doesn't mean we don't go about life. It means we don't change with this evil world. It means we don't compromise our life. It, doesn't mean, it means we don't compromise the Bible. Don't follow the wrong that has come up on our nation. I've noticed some past, there's a one Baptist church up north that is taking on a transgender pastor. Now, that's the nice word for it. I'm a little bit more hillbilly and old school. They took a man dressed in woman's clothes and appointed this, this person to be a pastor. And we see stuff like this happening all over the nation. And we, we see that the church in California, they're telling pastors, you're going to have to change. And I say that we have to remain unchanged. How do we remain unchanged? How do we enter into this blessing? The blessing I'm looking for in the last day, I want to see a great harvest. I want to see drug addicts. 
I want to see people living wayward lives. I want to see the alcoholic. I want to see those living with depression and those that have had horrible things happen in their life. I want to see them gathered in in these last days. I want them to know about the goodness of God that I know about, that you know about. I don't want to be selfish with this. I want to see every church come back to the cross. I'm not greedy and you shouldn't be. We have to share this gospel. I want to see people blessed in these last days. I, I, want to, I want to see the eternal rewards when we stand around the throne. You know, Sonia this week, she gained her eternal rewards. She was ready. And, and we're all moving to that destination. And I, I want people to have that eternal blessing. But we have to keep his commandments and we have to hearken unto his voice. How do you do this, Brother Wilson? You do it by one way and one way only, and it's by faith. You have to keep faith in Christ and him crucified. There's a word that's leaving out, or a couple of words that are leaving from the church. One of them is the blood of Jesus Christ. The other one you don't hear much about is the cross. I'm still stunned, and I don't understand why the, the church finds this unpopular. I, I know why it's satanic at its very core, but I don't understand why the church is abandoning the blood of Jesus because that's what atones for your sin, nothing else. If you want to be forgiven by God, it's not by how many times you beg God to forgive you. Sure, we should ask God for forgiveness. If, if, if it helps you any this morning, I, I was crying out, God, you have mercy on me today. I, would, I, I done broke down. God, I'm begging. I'm asking something from you today. What was it, Brother Wilson? None of your business. You got your own plate you need to eat off of. Uh, I had something I was asking God. Smile a little bit. I'm not, I'm not frowning at you. Smile a little bit. Uh, God, I, God, I got something I'm begging you to happen, Lord. And, to, I, I, and I can't ask any other way. I know that very, the very heart of every single one of us, we're a sinful creature. But it's only the blood that atones. What does atone mean? Atone means to make peace with God. It means to set wrong, uh, all the wrongs right. It means to set the relationship right with God, and only the blood of Christ does that. I'm not talking about the horror movie blood, a gory scene. Well, it was a gory scene, I'm, but I'm talking about the blood that was spilled out by Christ at Calvary. And many Christians are wanting to avoid this doctrine. If you would, turn with me real quick to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. And it says, and, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. That means without Christ shedding his blood, there is no remission of sin. Why did God design it this way? I cannot tell you, but from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, God said it took innocent blood to appease the sin of mankind. Why is that? I, my guess, my best guess is that, that life is because of blood. It's the very life force inside of us. I don't have all the answers. Nobody, no one does, but I do know this. I do know that it takes the blood. People are magnifying Jesus Christ as the great teacher. And uh, let's take in his life. Let's take in his teachings and the characters. They tell us to practice the golden rule and, and to make Jesus master. Within that, those things are right. 
But they're leaving out the death of Christ. There's another word there, the death of Jesus Christ, the blood, the cross. My atonement, here's the idea, does not come from performance. It doesn't come because I've been obedient to, to how Christ lived his life. He was a great teacher, but I can't just simply take those teachings and try to play them out in my life and expect God to forgive me of my sins. I cannot be atoned that way. I am only atoned, I am only forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from performance. Let us turn from our own efforts and turn to the perfection of Christ. And when you do this, when you turn to the perfection of Christ, all those things you've been wanting in life, all that power you've been wanting in your life, those sins you want to overcome, those blessings you want in your life, they're all open to you. There, there is no limit to what God can do in your life. There is no limit to heaven's resources. There is strength for this journey. There, but there is, there's the power to actually live this life. We've got to quit this saying, well, I'm just who I am. And uh, bless God, I, I don't have to be in church. I don't, I don't have to be down there around those hypocrites. Well, I tell you what, I'd rather go to heaven with a few, sit with a few hypocrites on the pews than I would bust the gates of hell wide open amen brother <laughs> i'd rather say well, you're always gonna have hypocrites jesus showed up with the hypocrites he did as his custom was he showed up on the sabbath and he went into the synagogue now he made them mad but he still went in there and he had church with them he set the standard. Paul said in Hebrews 10 and 25, don't forsake the assembling yourselves as the manner of some is. Why are you preaching on that, Brother Wilson? Because I seen no less than I guess 30 posts this week about people. Who are you to judge me? I don't need to be in church. Well, I didn't judge you. The Word of God judged you. The Word of God judged you, not me. If I say something in this pulpit and it makes you mad... And it lines up with the Word of God. I'm not wrong. Brother, well, y'all going to come on now. Help me preach a little bit. I'm not, I'm not the one that's wrong. Well, you just didn't say it good enough, and you ain't that good. You don't look that good. You don't look like Joel Osteen. Well, I can't help that. There's some things I can't help, but I know one thing I can do. I can tell the truth of God's Word. I may not be suave and debonair. I may, not, I may not have all the theatrics down, but that's not what I'm counting on. I'm counting on this morning as the Word is planted into your heart. I'm believing the Holy Ghost is going to water that Word, and it's going to grow into something beautiful. You're going to live a blessed Christian life. You mean to tell me that I ain't ever going to have no problems again? Of course not. You're probably going to have more problems. Preach on, Brother Wilson. Preach on. I got my handkerchief today. Preach on, Brother Wills. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. But I do know that through the atonement, above all, no matter what happens to me in this life, I know that I have the eternal rewards. And I believe we're going to see some great rewards, though, still here yet, especially in this last day harvest. His blood is heaven's theme song. I want you to think about that this morning. In heaven right now, Sonia's not singing this morning when we all get to heaven. She's not. She's not singing, we'll gather at the river. 
My grandma's not up there singing uh, many of these uh, uh, hymns we sing in the song. You know what they're singing? This is what they're singing. It tells you the exact song in Revelation 5, what they're singing in heaven this morning. It says this. We hear the redeemed sing a new song about the lamb that was slain. Here's the song. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, if you noticed in there, it didn't say we're praising Jesus this morning, did it? It carries you back to Calvary. It says the lamb that was slain. One scripture that I love in Revelation chapter 5 is when John is standing in heaven and he sees the throne of God in Revelation chapter 5. And he sees God extend out his right hand. And God said, who is worthy to take the scroll out of my hand? And they looked all through heaven. They looked all through earth. They looked through hell. The Bible says they looked below the earth. They looked everywhere. And no one was found worthy to walk up to God. John, and I know why, I can understand why, and he wept and he cried. And he started crying because it carries him back. And he said nobody was found to walk up to God to take this scroll out. And it shows us truly how unworthy we are. Think of all the good people that you know that have lived through history. You know some good people that have been in the church. You know, I know Brother Randy can think back to some of them old godly ladies in the church of God that have lived exemplary lives. I think about Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham, he lived a, a ministry above reproach and devoted his life to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thought of David Wilkerson. He lived a, a ministry ab above reproach and dedicated his life to the winning of souls to the kingdom of God. But John cried because he said none of them, Billy Graham wasn't worthy to walk up to God and take that scroll out of his hand. And as he was crying, one of the elders walks up and said, but don't cry, John. There's one who has overcome. And John said he looked, and there in the midst, he said there was a lamb as though it had been slain. And you keep reading that, and that's when all of a heaven erupts into a song. Oh, come on now. When John sees this, and he sees the lamb, I believe Jesus will be wearing a blood, uh, a blood-stained robe. He'll have the scars in his hands and his feet. He'll have the riven side, and we'll see those things in heaven. And when we do, all of heaven is going to bust out into a song. You ain't going to be sitting there twiddling your fingers and thinking about singing. You're going to bust out singing. If you make it, if you live this life dedicated to the Lord, you're going to get to sing that song, the, the, the song of the redeemed. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and honor and glory and blessing. He died as a ransom for many. He said of himself in Matthew 20 and 28, even as the son of man come not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life is a ransom for many. 
Whether you know it or not, if you're living out in that world, I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how blessed you think you are. We are, without Jesus Christ, we are all a slave to sin, and we belong to the devil if we don't belong to Jesus Christ. You're in one or two places today, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no purgatory. I'm sorry they took one scripture out of the Maccabees that come out of the Apocrypha, and it's not so. There is no such thing as purgatory. When you're done here and you close your eyes on this side of eternity, eternity, that's it, honey. There's nothing else except what decisions you made here. You're preaching hard, Brother Wilson, because the stakes are high. Your soul's at stake. Well, you sound like one of them preachers in the 50s. I know, but I didn't come from the 50s. I read the Word of God and I figured out that we're all unworthy and undone. I figured out the stakes are high. I figured out that I was a slave to sin. But when I put my faith in the precious blood of Christ, his ransom paid the debt. And now I don't owe anything to the devil. I don't owe him a cotton-picking penny. I owe him nothing because I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not living half in or out. I'm not perfect, but I know this morning because of whom I have trusted, I am on my way to heaven. I am saved washed and cleansed from all the pollution of this world. Amen. Amen. Give my hand. Glory be to God. Thank you for listening to The Power of the Cross. We pray this message is a blessing to you. You can access our sermons at GrenadaChurch.com. We also ask you for your financial support in helping us reach the world with the gospel. You can donate to our ministry by secure means at GrenadaChurch.com and click Donate. Now, back to the message. He died as a sin offering. There had to be something to appease God. God, you know, never intended it to be this way. He never intended the church to happen. That was not his plan. He knew through foreknowledge it was going to happen. He let man live out by free will. You have free will. You can do whatever you want today. You can ignore every word I said and write it off and go back out in that world and do what you want to do. That's your choice. And God will tell you the same thing to your face. Go right ahead. If that's what you want... Just like the children of Israel, when they got out in the desert, started complaining, oh, we need water. He gave them water. Well, that ain't enough. We're hungry. He gave them basically angel bread on the ground every morning. Well, that ain't enough. We want meat. And God done had enough. And he said, you want meat? I'll give it to you. You run us out, out your nostrils. And he did. Quail was literally up to their nostril. And God's saying the same to us. He provides us everything we need. But if you want the world... God is saying, I think with a tear in his eye, there it is. But if you want to take in, if you want this sin offering, it's already been done for you. All you have to do is reach out by faith. That's it. Isaiah 53 and 10, foreseeing about Jesus Christ and prophecy in the Old Testament. Before he was born, this is what is said of Jesus. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Hundreds of years before Christ was even born, the great prophet Isaiah stood up and said, There's one coming who God's going to make his very soul an offering for sin. And this is a beautiful system. Watch it. 
I don't have to do anything other than believe. And then when I believe and trust in the right thing and my heart's been changed, I've become obedient to God's Word. You don't have to tell me, oh, yes, I still bite off big old pieces of stupid every once in a while. Uh, yes, I mess up just like you do. But I'm still, I don't stay there. I don't, I'm not trying to get out in the world. I got to stay right there in Gerar where God told me to stay. Don't you move from Calvary. You keep on keeping on. Sure, we're going to have our time. But we cannot resort to works. Here's the pattern of most Christians when they get in the church. They get saved. It's beautiful. I've seen this countless times. It's really heart-wrenching as a pastor. I know it should be to a Christian. I'm assuming it is to most of you. We see them come in the door. We have a good revival or something. Boy, I've seen them here with Gerald Crabb. The whole front lined up. 25, 30 people get saved. And then where do they go? Here's what happens to them. It almost happened to me. I almost wasn't standing here. You get saved, and you're living for God, and everything is wonderful and great, and then all of a sudden you venture back into the same old things you were in. Why did that happen? The preacher told me, he laid hands on me and said, I got saved. I thought I felt something. I thought God spoke to me, and he did. If you gave your heart over to Christ, if you truly, only you know this, if you truly asked forgiveness of your sins and you gave your heart to Christ and invited him into your heart to be master of your life, you're saved. But what happens is we get our faith out of that very thing that saved us and we move on to something else. Well, you know what? I'll just do it on my own. The sin that we, we get out, we leave the church after we get saved, and then we get out there and the old thing creeps back in our life, and you start picking up things you shouldn't pick up. That thing you said you wasn't going to do again, you do. I know. That thing you said you wasn't going to get involved in, it happens again, and you're sitting there bewildered. What happened? I thought I was saved. And then a lot of people, unfortunately, they venture right on into Egypt and say, this is just too hard to do. What the sad picture of the church is, and I'm not going to blame the people, I'm going to blame the church and the pulpit. Here's the sad truth of it. They've quit teaching the blood for victory. They've quit teaching the cross for victory. Here's what will give you the victory. If you'll take that same faith and you'll never move it, from what that just simply means believing in Christ and what He's accomplished for. If you'll never move your faith from that, you will always have the victory. I can tell you when I when I got saved, God took away years of methamphetamines. He took away years of drinking. My days would start out uh, with meth and sometimes coke and weed and. It wasn't nothing uncommon for me in the morning. I'm talking about in the morning. I'd pick up a six-pack of beer. I'd done got several, and I'd go to work. I'd done been up all night. I was smoking three to four packs of cigarettes a day. And God got a hold of me and cleaned me out. And then I got I went left out of the church, and, man, that's it. I, the drugs were gone, the alcohol gone, and next thing I know, I'm up there picking Marlboro Lights up again. Next thing I know, I done ventured down to Hawking Gas Mart down there and got a quart of beer. I just won't get much. I'll just get a little bit. 
And I didn't understand what was going on. And it got to the point that this is just too hard. I can't then to throw, just to throw something in the mix there, God tells you he wants you to be a minister. And I'm sitting there holding a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and I can't figure out why. Why is this happening? I can't answer no call of God with this in my life. And then the message of the cross entered my life by supernatural means. And I finally, God showed me enough. I'm not telling you I understand it all now because I don't. I just got a, a little bit of understanding over the past, since 2005, so that would be uh, 14 years now, uh, or, or no, about 2006. So I, I've got about 13 years under my belt uh, of understanding the cross. I'm just a, a baby in it, but I am understanding, you know what, that if my faith won't move from that very thing that saved me, God empowers me. And when I understood this, I chunked that stuff down. I've never picked it up again. I'm the one pastor. I don't, I don't think, it, boy, I hate saying this but it's okay because I want to encourage somebody this morning the rest of the preachers can get mad at me and it's just all right I don't care I don't think cigarettes are heaven and hell issue all right preach on brother Wilson now church of God used to throw people in hell for that Uh, if you smoke that if you watch tv or or boys and girls swam together you remember what I'm talking about Uh, brother and Tim one time you drank a coca-cola you were on your way to hell they still do that? Yeah, they still do that. There's one denomination, I, I won't say their name, but you can't even be a preacher in there if you drink coffee. I, when I read that, I said, well, that kind of rules me out from that denomination because I wouldn't make it day one. But rules and regulations and doing and getting out of the world, that won't give you victory. It will not. But if you want to... Uh, uh, I remember, I, I'll give you a great example and it won't hurt, and I won't say their name because he's not here with us anymore. I was preaching about this same message one day, pretty much along the same line, different text. And I had this couple pull me outside. They were sitting back on the back, and I could tell they had their arms folded. It's just a pastor thing. You can tell when somebody's done got mad with you, something you're preaching. He met, through the whole summer, I'm like, man, what did I do now? And they told me, we need to talk to you after church. I said, okay. Nowadays, I probably handle it a lot different, but being a little naive, and I sit down and listen. I smoke, and you shouldn't be doing that. I said, well, I wouldn't have known you smoke. You hadn't told me because I really wasn't paying no attention to you. You just want to know the truth. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just, I don't sit outside your house and, oh, let me see what they're doing. In fact, most times if I see anybody do anything, I try to look the other way and say, Lord, I know I didn't see that and just move on. <laughs> that way, when I preach Sunday morning, I can get up here and let the hammer fly, and I know that I'm not talking about you. I'm just preaching what's on my heart. Well, we'll just pull our tithe money and we'll just shut this church down. I said, well, you can do what you want to do, and I'm still going to preach about smoking because I was preaching, or I, I was smoking four packs a day, ma'am. And I'm telling you, sir, and I looked at him and I said, sir, you're out of shape as it is. And I got my eye twitching thinking about this. Excuse me. (laughs) I said, sir, God probably, I I told him just basically that I I believe God, it was a health thing. God's wanting to turn your life around. They got mad at me and left and never come back. Didn't shut the church down. That was 12 years ago. 
somewhere around there, maybe 13. It's been a while. Oh, 12, about 12, 11, 12 years ago, this church is still here. Don't threaten God. Not when the, don't muzzle the ox when they're trying to tread the corn. And do you know I had to, had the unfortunate task of going up there to the ICU and watching that man suffocate to death. You know, it, it's your choice. You could take me, one in a million things and insert it there today. You could take things people are looking at on the internet. You could take our, our thoughts, our actions, what we put into our body, eating anything. And it's, God is saying to us today, if you'll follow it my way, you'll stay where I tell you to. I'll, I'll let you have victory over all this. And you know, when I understood that, that's why I can stand up here and not be hypocritical about it. I'm not here to, I, I want you to understand this. I am not here today condemning anyone for anything they're doing. I promise you, the love of my heart goes out to you. I'm not here. I am not condemning you. I will wrap my arms around you and I'll love you like my own child or friend. If you will let me, I'll pastor you as much as you'll allow me. I promise you. As close as you'll allow me to be to you as a pastor, I will be that close to you. That's your choice. But God is wanting to change things in your life. And you can have the victory. It's free. What if I don't get over it today after altar call? Keep on trying. This ain't Christianity baseball. It's not three strikes and God's wrote you off. You want to stop the God of the universe to pay attention to your situation. Have a little faith to say, God, you see what's going on. I need your grace and mercy today. Bear with me just a few more minutes and we'll wrap this up. But I need your grace and mercy today, Lord, to come into my life. I accept this, 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 this sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now I'm no longer under the curse of the law. The Ten Commandments put a curse on your life. How? I thought they were wrote by God. They were. But here's the curse of the law. They were so perfect. They were absolutely so perfect that you're going to break some of them. I heard somebody say the other day, <laughs> I'm going to call up heaven and tell them I need to speak to Jesus because this person right here, if he can make me break four of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> You're going to break some commandments along the way. Don't lie. Don't steal. I ain't stole nothing. What about them paper clips you took from work? <laughs> I heard that a long time ago. Convicted me. I ran to the altar. It was years ago when I first got saved. I started thinking about a paper clip I took. Commandments are the commandments. And if you miss one and you're living up under law, that's it. You're done. But God made it so beautiful. You're not justified by that. When we hear his voice, we keep his commandments by having the proper object of faith. All believers are justified by the blood of Christ. Romans 5 and 9, much more than being justified by his blood. That means you're innocent as though it never happened. I, I, I got to stop somewhere. I'll just stop here. Now, because of this, because of the blood, you can enter into the presence of God. You don't have to be a preacher. You can have all them bad habits you're still toting around. You can have all them mistakes in your life, and it doesn't matter to God.
That's why the beauty of the gospel is not to condemn nobody. It's to make you aware of where you're at. Now, Isaac had a choice that day. Isaac had the choice. He could have went on into Egypt and probably found a lot better things because they were in a famine. He could have probably went into Egypt and had the abundance of things. You understand Joseph and his whole lineage that come out of there, everybody that was tied to all that. Abraham, Joseph, they knew who they were. He was a rich man. Well, God made him rich where he was at. Joseph was looking at Egypt and said, you know what, my answer lies. Isaac was Isaac was looking at Egypt. Gary was going to correct me after church. He didn't correct myself. He pays attention. He listens. But Isaac could have went to Egypt, had anything he wanted. God said, don't do it. And I'm telling you, God is saying the same thing to you today. You can go out in the world and you probably get what you're looking for. But if you'll stay with I tell you to stay. There's blessing, blessing, blessing. You may go through some famines, but if you'll just stay at the foot of the cross, God will bless you in ways you never imagined when you stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to call you down here today. I'm going to stand up here, and I'm just going to add, nobody's looking around. And Brother Wilson, I, I don't... I, I, I'm looking at the world and I don't want to look at the world. I want to look to the finished work of Christ. Just slip your hand up. Let me see your hands. I see them. You put them down. I'm going to give you an altar call right where you're at. Grab that hand of your neighbor there and let's pray. And we're going to pray a simple little prayer today. I just feel led to pray this. And what matters is what you believe in your heart. It's not how eloquent you say the words. It's not how religious you are saying the words. God looks at the heart. I want y'all to pray this with me out loud. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Forgive me for the way I've lived, the things I've done. I'm asking that you wash me and cleanse me by your son's blood and according to your word I'm forgiven by faith and you know what folks it's just that simple it's the starting point all the other questions you have all the blanks in your life the sentences you're trying to fill in all those things will be filled in but God is the teacher keep showing up keep believing keep praying keep reading your Bible keep trusting in that finished work of Christ and I know if you stay right there in Gerard that all of heaven will be open turn around and tell your neighbor you love them Amen. a long time ago a Roman jailer asked an important question to the Apostle Paul what must I do to be saved Paul's answer was immediate and to the point believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house we have to realize that our sin separates us from God, and the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what did God do about this? He made it simple. 
scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you'll just take a moment and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Accept him as your savior and make up your mind to make him Lord of your life and follow him with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength as long as you live. If you've made the decision for Christ today, we would love to hear from you and send you a free Bible. Send us a message to info at grenadachurch.com. Thank you once again for listening to The Power of the Cross. If you have prayer requests, questions, or comments, email us at radio at grenadachurch.com or send them to The Lighthouse at P.O. Box 2441, Grenada, Mississippi, 38902. That's P.O. Box 2441, Grenada, Mississippi, 38902. God bless you and have a wonderful week.